Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. And I got to say, I, I've had some pretty br- busy years, Connor, but this year is stacking up to be one of the tops. A hundred percent, dude, and on every level. Um, company's growing fast. Uh, network is growing fast. Uh, we've got a lot of big goals, man, and that, that stands to reason. And um, I'm excited. Yeah. A lot I, of good things going I on. Too. Lots of good stuff. Um, we talk a lot about everything from growing pains and we talk about you know a lot of the stuff that uh we're learning about on our journey journey both the good things and the things that you know we kind of screwed up or uh done wrong on and i like having those open conversations because i feel like that's what i wish i would have had when starting out right it's to get kind of that look behind and seeing how it's all being done and made and it can help you build right i think that's really important and it's been one of the great things about the podcast overall is us having being able to walk through our point at the journey where we're at but then also being able to walk through other people's journeys and where they are at what they learned how they got started um it's just so unique and it's so dynamic and my friend Hayden Cabtree, he is with us uh, in the office, and we've been talking a lot about, of course, real estate, everything else, but you know how he got started and what he was doing um, in self storage, and, and kind of he's he's even taken it a different route than a lot of people um, take with his his company now and what he's doing. So I'm really excited to dive into this um, because it, it's it's so interesting and he's got a great story. He really does, man. So uh, without further ado, Hayden, how you doing, dude? How's it hey, going, man? man? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Heck honor yeah. to be here. Yeah. Glad to have you in Idaho, man. It's an honor, man. I mean, this is the furthest north I've ever been as a Southern boy myself, you know? <laughs> so uh, huge mountains. I mean, snow in... April? This is crazy. Uh, crazy town. I left Atlanta and it was like 78. You know, humidity <laughs> was humidity 70%. And... <laughs> I come out here. So, but no, honor to be here. Thanks, guys. And, uh, you know, anybody listening to this, you know, you show up here. This is the real deal. You know, the amount of buzz and activity in this office is crazy. So you get it straight from the source here, you know? Yeah. It's been, it's been a fun journey. And, you know, you have a, a very interesting journey. I learned more about, you know, yesterday when, we were at dinner and everything, and and I I just it resonates a lot I think with people, especially because you got started pretty young. Yeah. So why don't you kind of walk through how you? It's always interesting, right? Storage, like how do you end up in storage? It's out of all things, yeah. but walk through it. You got started young. Yeah, I mean nobody, you know, as a uh, as a kid in elementary school, what's your dream job? I want to be a storage investor. You know, <laughs> yeah. said no kid ever, but. 
Uh, no, man. I mean, I got started in in college. Uh, you know, real young. I had a great mentor who told me to read this purple book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. That so many people <laughs> did, and I got bit by the real estate bug. And you know, and right after I read that book, I just said, I don't know what I'm really doing in college here. I was at the University of Georgia uh, because the people who are teaching me about how to make money, my professors. They've never owned a business. You know, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and this kind of light bulb went off. Real estate investing, that is the entrepreneurial route that I want to take, you know, for a lot of different reasons. And I just got on Google, you know, and typed in real estate investing, Athens, Georgia, which is where I was living. Uh, this forum came up. This guy was talking about how he had uh, wholesaled eight duplexes, so 16 units of residential like two years later, went on to buy them back from the guy he wholesaled them from, rehabbed them, did a cash out refi, owned them with no money, made wholesale fees, had a ton of equity, tax benefits. I'm a 19 year old kid, like not knowing anything about anything in the real estate world. And I'm like, what language is this guy yeah. talking about? <laughs> yes. You know, how this is illegal. I know it. Yes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they're coming for him. And uh, anyways, I, you know, I stalked the guy on the internet, just straight up, like found his name on that forum. His phone number wasn't there, stalked him, called him, said, Hey man, uh, I know you don't know me. My name's Hayden. I just read on the internet that it looks like you make a bunch of money. And uh, <laughs> I would like to do that, you know? And uh, you think I could buy you coffee or, or maybe take you out to lunch sometime? And I'll never forget what he said to me. He just said, I don't drink coffee. I'm on my way to a property now. Meet me there in 15 minutes. I said, text me the address, you know, and that's how I got started. I went and I met that guy, uh, showed up at a, at a single family project he was doing. Uh, you know, he talked to me about the renovation he was doing. I don't even know what he's saying to me. And I just kind of look at him and I go, Hey man, I'll work for you for free. Cause I need to learn how to do this. He just looked at me to see if I was serious. I just stared right back at him. He's like, all right, show up tomorrow, you know? And that's how my journey started. I started skipping class in college uh, to go work for free for a guy doing deals. And uh, it was really, really fortunate experience. I mean, I think, you know, the stars aligned on that one because he had been, my mentor had been doing real estate for over 10 years at that point. He started as most people do in their real estate journeys, which is, hey, I'm going to wholesale to get some cash on the side of my job. And then, you know, once I get some cash, I'm going to flip some properties. And once I get into flips enough, I'm going to do some single family rentals. And one day I want to graduate up into, you know, commercial property. And he'd been doing it. He had traction. He was doing all those things. And so I got thrown into the fire from day zero where, you know, Instantly, I got thrown into a business that for 10 years had been wholesaling, flipping houses, doing single family rentals, and had moved up into some apartment complexes. Um, and that's really where I cut my teeth. You know, I did that. I worked for that guy for free for over a year, uh, learning every single thing that I could, uh, trying to provide value in any single way that I could. So, you know, I managed evictions. I did, I did uh, touring as a leasing agent on properties. I would work with contractors. I would go see properties, try to get properties under contract. I would do everything I could to try and provide value in his business. And in turn, what that did for me was teach me everything that most people never get experience in, right? Like I was skipping class to go get real way, world yeah, knowledge. Way more learning. Way more yeah. valuable. Yeah. And uh, I went from working for free to working for equity and deals. And the funny thing is, is that I got my real estate uh, degree from University of Georgia, which was at the time, I don't know where it sits today, but at the time, number four real estate program in the U.S. 
which is pretty good. Yeah. And whenever I took the real estate investments course, I went up and introduced myself on the first day of the professor, and I owned more investment property than he did. Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, I just kind of thought like, man, this system is, is broken. It was my goal when I graduated college to not get a job, which is the opposite of most people's goals. And, um, you know, that's how I got started. How we came across our first storage facilities, we were looking for off-market deals, sending mailers to houses uh, around uh, Athens, Georgia. And uh, some guy called one day and he says, hey, I don't want to sell you guys my house, but there's this, you know, storage facility that, um, you know, me and my dad built together eight years ago and we hadn't been there in five years. And if you guys want to buy it, we'll sell it to you. You know, and I think this yeah. thing is tiny deal, 65 units, like maybe four or 5,000 square feet, bought it for 130 grand. I still remember, um, I think it had one tenant in there when we bought it. And that's where I learned about storage, you know, yeah. and after three months painting the place, getting a website going, you know, me and my mentor just kind of looked at each other and like, why are we doing anything but this? Yeah. Like, this is way better, you know? Yeah. And at that time, I mean, he owned, you know, probably $15 million worth of real estate. Uh, you know, a lot of it being inside of the single family or, you know, eight to 16 unit range of apartments. And that was really the first time that I saw an asset that wasn't a piece of real estate that somebody lived in, you know, as yeah. an investment opportunity. Yeah. And then just a light bulb went off in my head. It's like, this is where I need to be spending all of my time yeah. is focusing on this. So that's how I got started. That's awesome. And you, you know, you have a, uh, uh, unique perspective on it, which, you know, you wrote the best-selling book, which is amazing and seriously killing it on Amazon, uh, skip the flip. And it's a great book. You guys need to check it out, but you kind of talk about, that progression and really how to move forward and quickly. And I think that's something that uh, you really condensed down into a short amount of time. So when you look back at it, um, you like me, and I think so many others, I, I, I just see a clear differentiator when everybody talks to me like, how can I speed up this process? What are you gonna do? I'm like, find a mentor, mm -hmm. find somebody that you can be close to and absorb actionable knowledge. Right, Dude, like it, real knowledge. It's so true, and I, and that's one of the things I hate about that one quote where it's like, you know, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, you know, go with people. And I'm like, dude, no matter what you're doing, you've got to go, to, go yes, with people. go with people. Like, you go on your own. You could be looking you at the wrong You go on your own, you're thinking map. too small. Like, yeah, 100%. That's, and I hate that quote, dude. Yeah. Prime example. No, I, I agree. So then talk to me about... Um, moving forward and and your your self-storage journey then you you just got this little one with your mentor and yeah. where'd you go yeah man so first you know 65 uh 65 units um and just thinking of all the potential you know not knowing anything like never even have listened to a podcast uh never have read any books and just like well fundamentally this is pretty simple so let's start scaling, you know? And so we shifted all of our efforts from, Hey, let's find off market houses to let's find off market storage facilities all around the Southeast. And so we really expanded our, you know, being out of uh, Athens, which is about an hour East of Atlanta. Uh, we're pretty accessible to a lot of States. We're very accessible to Tennessee, South Carolina, Alabama, Florida, Georgia. Um, and just so saying, okay, well, let's start looking at anything that's within a day's drive. And the next facility that we picked up was a 52,000 square foot facility uh, in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, for a million bucks. If you can believe that 52,000 feet for a million bucks. And, um, 
that's where I learned a lot of lessons, you know, because one yeah. of the things about the Montgomery market is it's way oversaturated. Uh, we kind of got our teeth kicked in for, you know, probably eight months on that deal, learning how to manage remotely because we'd been doing this 65 unit in our backyard versus moving to a, you know, 450 unit four hours away. It was a lot different experience because we didn't have any systems in, pl in place, uh, no processes in place. And so that was where we really started to learn about what it would take to scale that portfolio. But also at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it was difficult. Yeah, it was a big learning curve, but we did it. We did it relatively quickly to what it takes most people to figure out the business. And so then just scaling from there of starting to buy other properties um, around the Southeast. And so if we look at that time period, we went from owning, you know, one deal, the 65 unit to a couple months later buying that one. And then really just going on uh, a buying spree after that, if we bought about a property a month for a year. And these were, you know, uh, anywhere from 20 to 40,000 square foot facilities. Um, and over the course of the year built up, you know, what was a little over uh, half a million square feet of deals in five different states, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, and South Carolina. And then, you know, we're like, wow, we've reached some sort of critical mass here. Um, we, in the early days, just kind of looked at the, the uh, labor expense uh, as something that, you know, we thought from a remote management perspective maybe could have been reduced. Maybe we didn't need a full time. And so I don't know if you know the, uh, the guys at 10 federal, Brad yeah, Mensley, yeah. we went up and spent a day with them, yeah. learned all about the unmanned system that they were kind of rolling out and tried our hand at that. And again, you know, kind of got kicked in the teeth for another six months trying to figure that out. Uh, but eventually figured that out and looked up at ourselves in 2020 and said, you know, um, man, we have a, 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 a not huge portfolio, but for most people, a, a portfolio that has some scale. Um, we've raised money on a lot of these deals uh, from investors. Some of them we capitalized correctly and we were prepared correctly and others, we didn't know what we were doing, yeah. you know? And so Just we didn't have CapEx budgets in place. We didn't set it up appropriately from the beginning. So we kind of looked at ourselves and said, would it make sense here to get rid of this portfolio and start over from scratch? You know yeah. what I mean? And that's what we did. So we did a portfolio sale of the the different assets in the five different states with different investors. Um, and again, that was my first exit, first yeah. time I ever exit any deals. And that came with a bunch of lessons in and of itself. One of the big lessons, you know, that's really kind of changed my my trajectory into the future uh, was, you know, I'm, I'm a big finance guy. Again, I graduated with a real estate and a finance degree. Um, and I love to be able to tell my investors like, hey, here's how we did for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you invested with us, you put your trust in us, you gave us your hard earned dollars. Here's what we did with it. Yeah. And so whenever we did the uh, portfolio sale, uh, we did a call for offers. And again, we sold them all kind of as one package. And an interesting thing happened in that process was, you know, some players came up and said, hey, we want all of your Georgia and Florida assets. And some other people said, we'll take it all. Some other people came and said, we want these two from Georgia, this one from South Carolina, and this one over here. And it was my job kind of being the finance guy on the team to, to be able to communicate what's the best offer here 
and who is going to benefit from this offer versus this offer versus this offer. And I just was head down in spreadsheets for so long uh, because it was really hard to go through that process. There was no tools or anything in place from a real estate investment management perspective to be able to communicate to people, the investors, the returns uh, from you know a, a GP side, be able to understand who's getting what out of it, what's best. Uh, and so that's led me to create a really new cool software company called My Property Stats that, yeah. you know, we can talk about some more. But that's kind of my journey going through uh, and scaling up the, the storage portfolio, learning a bunch of hard lessons that, again, like my mentor had been in real estate, but he hadn't been in storage, you know. Yeah. So we look to different people yeah. around the industry to mentor us, to help us grow. Uh, but regardless, you know, you're always going to have growing pains, no yeah. matter no matter where you're at. Hundred yeah. percent. That, that that, if anything, is the most important lesson that I think people. I think, you know, you put certain individuals up on pedestals, like they got it figured out, and at some point, I'll get it figured out, or I need to get it figured out before I can move. And it's like that's just not how it works. And if you do, if you think you have it figured out. You're either lying to yourself or you're playing at a really low level. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think you need to remember that. And you mentioned there were some things that when you started, when when you set the deals up, like there was no CapEx and the uh, budgets and things like that, that you you could have done better. Walk walk us through, like, what could somebody do to make sure they're, they're setting the deal up right to be really successful with them and investors? What are some things that you think that they need to remember when going into the deal? Well, I think one of the things that I didn't understand going into scaling that portfolio is the different seasonalities of different markets, you know, and how, you know, like we would go in and we would buy deals in, you know, September that, you know, were below market rates. But what we didn't understand is that the leasing season was in spring and that, yeah, my projections look great on paper, but I'm going to be cash flow negative here for the next four or five months. Yes. And you never want to go raise a deal and then in four months have your operating account be at zero and be like, mm -hmm. I really hope this works out, you know. And so I don't think that, um, you know, from a number of different things. I mean, I thought that, you know, we could get by on shoestring budgets, you know, leave some facilities gravel, uh, you know, don't, you know, keep the, the camera system that's in place. Um, you know, there's just a number of different things. But, you know, if you really want to go out, one, one of the big things I learned is if you really want to go out and if you want to, to really have an asset that you want to be proud of owning, um, you can do that relatively cost effective in the storage world. And one of the great things is that almost everything is exterior improvements in the storage world. You know, you got um, outside impervious surfaces, camera systems, gate systems, painting, you know, all of those things are great. But just going in, you know, thinking that because the, the, the storage world was so simple, because it's such, you know, concrete boxes that you really didn't have to to do an A-class job, I guess, so to say, in fixing up those facilities. There's this natural demand. Um, so, you know, some of the lessons, it really varies site by site. But one of the biggest lessons is just not understanding uh, seasonalities of the businesses and, and properly funding those different accounts on the front end. So if you're going into your first facility, and you're thinking, man, I'm going to buy this thing and, you know, we're just going to cash flow. I mean, one of the biggest things that I always do now, um, depending on where the facility's at, is really fund a minimum uh, of two months, both operational expenses along with debt payments every single month, just up front. And that money yeah. just lives in the account. If I have cap CapEx, that money is going to be put in an account up front. I think I see one of the biggest mistakes that I see people doing you know, from my standpoint is thinking that they're going to make capital improvements based off of cash flow. You know what I mean? Yes. And to me, I'm just like, Hey, 
sure that's great and everything, but you just need to consider that CapEx a part of this investment and you need to fund that money up from day one. hundred percent. You know, and so from, from like our perspective, thinking that, you know, oh, well, we'll reduce the amount that's going to be invested here and then we'll reinvest the profits back in this business. Um, you know, not an effective strategy yeah. uh, or, or it can be effective, but a stressful strategy. You know, one you know. of the things that I, you mentioned this and um, when we started raising capital and everything, just like you, we learned a bunch of things. And one of the things that I think we failed to do was communicate some basic or fundamental things along just what you were talking about, meaning that, okay, everybody projections, returns that we're looking at, these are annualized. So the first six months when you buy a deal in August and now it's February and people are like, why is occupancy at 12 uh, or vacancy at 12%? And why haven't we got a distribution? And you say, oh, well, that's because we're stabilizing the property. We're changing signs. We have expenditures, right? We have all that stuff and we're in the slow season. And it's like, why didn't you know, we're not storage people. We don't understand that. Right. And I was like, wow, I really didn't do a good job communicating how we're like, yeah, this was. And at, at the end of the day, it washes out. Right. But there is the swing to it. There's yeah. a seasonality and especially how the revenue works within those assets. Yeah. So it, it's not even like on spreadsheets or anything when you're talking to investors. And a lot of times they may not understand that. Like, yeah, we could fund it out of cash flows, but what is that going to do to our return? And, and what does that do in timing? So all of a sudden we went having low cash flows for six months. Now we have higher cash flows. You want a distribution, but we need it to do the capex. Yeah. And, you know, is, is it better expenditure to build it into the loan? Is it better to fund it from investors, yeah. right? And then how you're communicating that cause and effect investors is really important. Yeah. And one of the other biggest lessons too, you know, coming from the residential world in a college town, like leasing units in a college town, you know, housing units is, you know, it's easier than selling water in the desert. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. So whenever you get into the storage world and you go into these different markets where you don't really understand in the beginning, you don't understand how the supply and demand aspects of it work. And you think you're just going to go and you're going to open up shop and you're going to fill this place up, you know, not understanding that storage is unlike any other real estate asset. And it's a lot more like, you know, an operating business and the requirements that come along with an operating business. That was a huge lesson, you know, that we learned. And, you know, a lot of times didn't fund, uh, the appropriate marketing budgets or plan for the appropriate marketing efforts on the front end of these value add deals. Um, you know, huge lesson. Us, us too. Our, our first deals, we didn't take any money out of them because we just were pouring everything back in as we were learning. Well, we didn't really have a marketing budget and we didn't have either certain capital expenditures built in, or I didn't understand how much. And so all of a sudden we're like, there's certain things in this business that we really need to account for. And what that meant in lots of times is, wow, we need to raise rates because we can't even operate it at the level that we were thinking we could because of these ancillary business things that we need to be doing, hiring third parties, um, whatever that may be. And that's, that can damage you on the front end. Uh, we were lucky we didn't have investors to learn those lessons. It was just us. But, uh, uh, when you're moving into it, I like kind of what you said before, you know, really set it up, be, be prepared, take, take the money. And I like to think about it is if we have a capital expenditure budget, we fund it. If it's half the budget, you can always just disperse it back yeah. to the investors. Like it's, it's, you can get back, but we don't ever want to have capital calls. That's like the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I'll just have money sitting in the account for yeah. months. 
just not doing capital calls because um, that can be a shock to investors and they may not understand why, even if it's a short-term temporary thing, right? You just want to avoid that with investors. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent agree. You know, there's uh and then in and of itself, you know, doing deals with your own money versus, you know, really getting into that growth phase and starting raising money. That's, that's a whole nother lesson that applies to every asset class. You yes. know what I mean? And raising money from investors. So yeah, I mean, that's my, that's my journey. And I, I don't mean to make it sound like, you know, uh, I mean, we sold very profitable. It was amazing. You know, I'm, I'm 25 today and, uh, you which know, crazy. which is awesome, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to have done this. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, but don't, don't let it sound all scary. Like there's some deals that, you know, I bought, I, I structured some, no, I bought a $3 million property with $0 down through a lease purchase agreement. Um, you know, took those lessons, rolled it into this business. Uh, month one that I bought this, I sent out, you know, it was doing, uh, it was doing $22,000 a month in revenue. Month one, I sent out $8,000 of rental rate increases and immediately went no money down to cash flow and over a hundred grand a year, you know, on an asset. So these lessons, like if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, like, I don't know, that sounds scary. And yeah. I don't want to get my teeth kicked in. Like Hayden said he did. It's like, no, it's worth it. It's you worth should go it. do it well, for and, sure. And, and two, like when you're buying good deals in a good asset class, things like that, you, you can learn lessons. Like learning lessons and maybe having bumps in the road is totally different than losing assets, things like that, right? That's fine. You can play. You don't want to. There's a lot of asset classes that I don't think are nearly as forgiving with mistakes as self-storage is. Um, and that was a thing that we learned pretty early on that was, you know, I developed my margin of stupidity where I got to be able to make sure that I can make mistakes, right? So it's something that, like you said before, you just build it in and you understand that that's part yeah. of the process, right? As long as you don't think it's going to go perfect, you're not going to be surprised and that's fine. And just make sure you communicate that. And you're right. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. But you took a very interesting route, which I, I really want to talk about. Because when you you learned a lot of these lessons. Um, and one of the things that you talked about that you learned was understanding your portfolio, understanding your numbers and being the finance guy, trying to look at how do we exit? How do we project this? Right. Um, that actually came out to be kind of a task. And uh, this was something that me and you just immediately shared. Cause when you shared with me what, what you're doing, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, dude. Yes. Because, uh, I was going to start a company called Now Metrics. I still own all the IP and everything because the struggle that I had, like you just mentioned, was you go to stocks and you can see where your position's at at any time. I can see all the metrics and all the specs, everything like that. Real estate, it doesn't work. We need to cultivate information and everything to try to get a read on portfolio and understand maybe where we're at. And you got multiple locations and it's a lot of work. And it's like, how is this a lot of work? This should be very, very simple. And you set out to solve that problem. So talk to us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I get real, like, I, I don't own, I own $0 of, of equities. I own not a single stock, yeah. not a single Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't own anything that can change no in an hour. You yes. know, I don't own anything in that category. The most liquid thing I own is like an ounce of gold. Okay. So, um, yeah, but I get really jealous whenever like I see the, 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 um, stock guys be like, man, I made 14% today. Yeah. I'm just like, 
how do you know? You know, do you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, look at my That's app. So funny. You yes. know, and so I get really jealous that like you know these people have these these. Uh, I think I'm a sophisticated investor, you know. But I, whenever if somebody were to come up to me and ask me right now, like, hey, that deal you bought two years ago, what's your IRR on that? I'd be like, I don't know, you know. Yeah. And I get really not jealous. I mean, I'm just joking about it, but the ability that most investors have into the inside of how their investments are actually performing. I mean, listen, we're all investors here. Like our goal is to maximize our capital, right? I mean, we have limited capital. We want to make that limited capital as much as possible. And so to understand even inside of the real estate world, like, am I maximizing the money that I have? And am I making the best decisions possible for the people who have entrusted me with their money? Yes. And that's a really hard task to do in the real estate world. And so the mission that we set out on at My Property Stats, which is the name of the company, is essentially to build a dashboard that investors can log in and see and the performance of their investments and answer very basic questions like, what is the return on your portfolio? What is the return on this set of assets? Uh, well, how much has your cash flow increased year over year? Inflation's been crazy. How much is your cash flow up, right? Mm-hmm. And we can do these kinds of things, but they're very laborious tasks, right? Yes. I got to go to my accountant. I got to set out a spreadsheet. I have to account for, you know, this one bump in the road because I put it in a new gate and that affected mm-hmm. cash flow. And there's so many variables out there that what I found is that most real estate investors just settle with, I'm okay not knowing. And I don't think that's a really good strategy. I think that, you know, if if you have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars of equity under management, I think you should be tracking how that equity is performing. Because if you find out that your equity is only making 4%, hey, we might want to take a different strategy here, right? Because even if I could only bump that to say 10%, that's a huge difference over the long run, right? And so my property stats is the place that you can make smart decisions as a real estate investor with your money. It's a place where you can keep all of the important documents. I mean, I don't know about you guys, whenever I'm going to get a loan, like I almost just want to pull my hair out, right? Because I got to go get this information. I got to make sure that my taxes are updated. I got to go get all the leases on my current, you know, properties. Uh, I have to explain to the banker the uh, waterfall structures I have set up in place. I got to go pull this operating agreement. I got to email my accountant for, you know, year to date P and L's. Like I have to do all those things and you have to, it's like, I'm not going to, it's painful Uh, But what my property stats does is it allows all that information to be in one central place. And literally with the click of a button and a link, you can share all of that data with bankers. You can share it with investors. You can share it with, you know, whomever want partners. Like you can do all of that in one central place. And so it manages what you have. It stores all the documents in one hub where, you know, you don't ever have to go looking for it and spend a bunch of time. And then really it also is made for people who are just starting on the journey. If you don't own any assets, we've got what I think is the world's best uh, deal analyzer. And it's got some really cool things. It's like Google Sheets to where if you want to share it with a banker, you can copy the link, you can share it. It's got due diligence Dropbox built in. I mean, I was showing it to Connor earlier and he was he was salivating. Yeah, so. dude, I was just sitting there, mouth open, on the floor, whatever. I'm like, and I told I told uh, Hayden here, I was like, man, this is it's just one of those things that you look at and you're like, why, how, how, not even why, like how are we to this point 
in time and, and there's nothing like this out there that's that's this simple this concise everything in one place where other industries this has been food i know decades and, yeah. and it's, it's something else and then too it's like it's not only on the front end too you know if you're trying to get a loan or trying to get financing whatever that looks like working with investors it's on that exit on the back end as well where you know if you want to go and pull up all these reports and, and have that ready to go put it in you know offering memorandums whatever that looks like i mean you have everything right there um and obviously you need to if you're going through with the sale you're gonna have to provide all of this stuff documentation to the buyers um having all of that in one place easily accessible dude well until i like this idea of i can log in right i can see where my assets are performing i can look at that in comparison to other markets other industries i can look at and then i can stress test it i can start to look at different ideas what if we were to do a sell what if i did a refinance how would that project out my cash flow how would that change things, right? And you can accrue it even on a portfolio level. And I mean, guys, this is like these, some of these reports, I got to go to my accounting department and yeah. they have to, we have five people that work full time in our accounting department yeah. and they have to start pulling reports and building out spreadsheets or we got to call accounting stuff to, to pull this data. Yeah. And it's like, what? How? How are we at a, you know what I mean? Not yes, only just, the time and yeah. effort that goes into it, but another cool thing is, you know, that I thought was really powerful that we put in there is we live in like, I don't know if I'm just like coming of age, but it just seems like the world changes so quickly over the last yeah. two years. No, it does. And I mean, every single day there's new news and that's important news that's going to impact your portfolio, impact your money. And so what we built in there was a forecast tool and we really give investors five different ways to forecast what the future of their portfolio is going to look like. Number one is based off of what their best estimations today of what the property is performing at. So, you know, if you went into a property in 2018 you say, okay, well, here are my assumptions for this deal. Well, that's the original pro forma, what you originally thought that deal was going to do. But guess what? Something happens in March of 2020 and rental rates start blowing up, cap rates compress. So what do you do? You have to go in, you have to change your assumption about what this deal is going to do and produce in the future. And so then we move over to our current pro forma, which is where we can analyze what we think is going to happen. And then those are the two ways to kind of forecast what you think the future of your portfolio is going to look like. Well, the third, fourth, and fifth way, number three is the system will actually analyze year over year how much is my revenues increased how much line item by line item have my expenses increased and it'll take what the deal has actually done take its performance how it's increased or decreased on the income or expense side and project that into the future for you based off of what has actually happened which is really powerful to see okay if things keep going the way they're going what's this going to end up looking like you know and then the other two ways are just understanding hey you know i think inflation is going to be seven percent wink wink right yeah only seven percent <laughs> it won't get there uh, so what does that look like or if you say hey i think my values are going to appreciate at seven percent i think that my income is going to go up at nine and i think my expenses are going to go up at four so differing levels yeah. of that inflation and so it really gives investors the tools to 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 make smart decisions and just run, you know, what I'll call, I don't mean to be fancy, but just a sensitivity analysis, right? If this happens, what does this look like? If that happens, what does this look like? And just understanding, making sure your bases are covered in all scenarios. And if they're not covered in all scenarios, then make a change, yeah. you know? I well, mean, that's most powerful data to make yes. smart decisions. And everybody knows on here, I, I mean, I talk about this endlessly. I'm obviously a huge proponent of technology within the space 
it is one of the biggest laggers. But most importantly, everyone, it is the biggest differentiator that we find in the big boys to the small boys. And, uh, you know, we've been on a mission for years to bring those tools down to small investors. When we say small investors, we're talking single operators of storage facilities and empower people that want to get into the industry. So we don't get lamb blasted like industries like the hotel industry where you've got five players and really that's it. Nobody else can even play in it. And it's all comes down to data. It all comes down to understanding your investments performance, how it can perform, when it can perform, you can make better decisions. That's why we have sort of local. We, that's why we have tenant Inc. That's why, you know, we've got Aiden here who we've uh, uh, been working with Aiden and I'm trying to uh, help him as much as I can. He's been kind enough to let me jump on this journey with, with him. And it's, we look at how this can revolutionize. It, it, maybe it com- comes to two. We see it in other in- industries, right? And we, and a lot of people look at storage and one of the reasons they're attracted to it is they see that upside they see the fact that it's like wow so many of these things are just being operated on such a poor level Mm -hmm. and one of the frustrations you get in like you had right when you're trying to like do it not having a person there is okay i i know what i probably should be doing i get it but there's so little tools in self-storage to back me Mm -hmm. to really help me achieve these things. And I've been shocked at how slow self-storage has come. Now we have lots of players jumping into the space and saw all sorts of ends, but there's we haven't I haven't seen a central CRM to look at the overall uh, investment in its life cycle and where it's at, what you're doing in real time. Uh, and I, th- I think it's really cool, but I also think it's it's a, a necessity. So when I'm looking at, and we get asked, probably one of the things that we get asked most on here is, do you can we use like your underwriting model, right? And can, can we look at your spreadsheets and things like that? Because um, they want to know, is it a good deal? Is it not? And the problem is, is our, our main underwriting model is completely catered to us. Meaning like, even if we gave it to you, it would make no sense at all, right? And then the other ones that you're getting offline and everything, it's just line items. It's it, This is an Excel simple thing, or as I like to say, it's not dynamic. So this dynamic information that you know, you're know you bringing in and, and others are bringing in, I, I think it, it, it makes a big change for me as an operator, everybody else as an operator, but it's gonna change the landscape of what people can do, right? It makes it a lot more digestible to say I can own five storage facilities, understand where I'm all at, make decisions because my storage facilities may not be next door. It may not be even where I live. Yours weren't, mine aren't. Most operators that I know that have more than two facilities, as you probably do too, it's not all in the same city. Yeah, That's not how it works. We have to go where the deals are, right? And this is a tool to help you uh, manage it. So, um, well, Okay, first of all, you know, we, we could talk about this forever. We're going to make some more uh, content and everything. Uh, thank you for letting me support you on this and, and dive into it. And uh, let me tag along on on your journey here as, as you're doing it. We'll put in a, a thing, Connor, into the show notes that people can sign up on the 
like a little code or whatnot, you can jump in there. It'll be, what is the code? Yeah. If, if you just, if you want to sign up, test out my property stats, come on in. And whenever you sign up, just use the, the coupon code AJO. So yeah. that AJ knows that you're part of this community. And I think we'll rock out maybe some uh, free underwriting templates or something like yeah. that. We, if you guys use that coupon code. We can post it all in that central, yeah. central place. So you can get AJ Osborne's self-storage deal analysis template. You can use it right inside the My Property Stats platform to help you make data-driven decisions yeah we're excited about it everybody as you know we're trying to help out this industry we're trying to change things so go check it out it's another tool we love it we already have hundreds of people uh in it and using it but dude i really appreciate you hanging out with us and yeah dude not just being on the podcast but coming out here and getting to talk shop and and storage it's a blast i've been excited to spend a couple days with you thanks for having me guys appreciate it absolutely man you're doing a lot of great work thanks so much for coming in